It's as hard as it's ever been since I've been involved in the self-storage business starting in 1995 to buy self-storage. I've never seen it this challenging. What as small investors are we to do to get in or grow our self-storage business? Four caps, 4.35 caps. What in the world is going on? How can we as small investors get in? Can we get in? Well, the answer is yes. And we, I see it done every day. And the people I work with and us do it. It takes something. It isn't as easy as it used to be. It really does take something. Let me share with you how in the world you can purchase self-storage today. My name's Mark Helm. I'm the author of Creating Wealth Through Self-Storage, and I'm the creator of the Quick Start Academy. And the Quick Start Academy houses the self-storage boot camp. And what I'm going to talk about in fairly general terms today is everything that not everything, but I'm going to talk about what we cover and what people who go through the boot camp actually do to go out into the marketplace in today's reality and get self-storage facilities. Depending on when you're watching this, our next boot camp is coming up October 8th and 9th. That's a Friday and a Saturday, 2021. There'll be a link in the comment section or if you're seeing this on creating wealth through self-storage in the text, they'll give you more information if this is something you think will help you. Boy, it's a different world today than it was when I, in 1995 when I first got into business. Back then, storage was considered a specialty product. I mean, it was hard to get financing on self-storage. There were many lenders who just wouldn't loan on it because it was a specialty product. There were no SBA loans for self-storage. There weren't many funds, if any, chasing it. There were a few publicly traded companies or REITs, but they were in no way like do, hungry like they are today. I can remember when in 1995, 10 and 12 caps were what we were using. Information on the self-storage was hard to get. None of the real estate sectors would claim it. You know, industrial never really gave you, the industrial sector of commercial real estate never gave you much information about self-storage. Retail sure didn't want it and categorized as a retail item. It was just a whole different world back then. then 2007 through 2009 hit and in the Great Recession there were three commercial investment real estate asset classes that really showed up on the radar screen one was medical office the other was student housing and the third was self-storage and it really caught the eye of Wall Street during the recession. But here's some of the big differences between the three shining stars during the Great Recession. Student housing is it's almost like a resort these days. And medical office is the most expensive office build out you'll have. I mean, each one of those two asset classes, you can spend $200 and up a square foot building and creating it. 
institutional grade self-storage is usually $80 or less. Maybe in today's whacked world, maybe $100 or less, but the 100 would be for multi-story. I mean, we're still building our institutional grade single story self-storage, you know, under $55 or less a square foot. We're creating institutional grade self-storage. And self-storage generates incomes like, it's like multifamily income in most cases. But it's a steel ball and a concrete floor. Believe me, self-storage caught the eye of Wall Street because it's recession resistant. In other words, boom times create demand as well as hard times. During COVID, occupancy rates actually have gone up. Why? Well, COVID created demand for self-storage. So after the recession, Wall Street money was chasing self-storage. So combine that with being in a 10-year-plus expansion in the economy and low interest rates, the stage was set for what the sophisticated investors call cap rate compression. All that means is prices went up. So what's a small investor to do? Well, if we can't buy, let's build. And boy, did we build. Just look at some of these stats. I mean, any major market has anything from, you know, seven or to 10%, and I've seen higher than 25 in some markets, of new self-storage square footage hitting that particular market area. Imagine, I mean, in my market where we happen to live, 12% more square footage is on the market right now than there was a couple years ago. Imagine the supply increasing 25%, 35% in your market area. Now, to be fair, Denver, for example, there's pockets in Denver where there's still unmet demand and, and self-storage is a very sub-market product. In other words, 86% of our customers in our portfolio live within 3.2 miles of our facilities. It's different at each facility, but on our portfolio, that's been kind of the average. But if you're in an overbuilt market, even if your sub-market has unmet demand, there is downward pressure on your rents. I'm sure wherever you are, you've said to yourself, boy, these facilities seem to be popping up everywhere. I hear that a lot. Now, new construction is a valid approach to getting in or growing your self-storage business. But if you're new to the business, if you don't have a lot of construction experience, here's a couple things I want you to remember. According to the SSA, the average time to get the stabilization, and that's from the time you start renting. And it might take a year or more to go from raw land to starting to rent. But from the time you start to rent, 36 months is the average time it takes to get to stabilization. In all reality, ground up construction, unless you're building a very small facility, you're going to have two to four years of negative cash flow. Now, you can account for that, but what happens if there's a change in the economy? What happens if a new competitor opens up and your lease up time goes from 36 months to 55 months? I've had that happen. 
all that extra holding costs. Just be aware that in, in the uncertain world we're living in today, that's not a far-fetched far -fetched scenario to happen. I'm very hesitant to build ground up today. I'm not saying I won't do it, but I'm very hesitant to. I'm not looking at one right now. And if I did, I would definitely phase it in. And you can't phase in very well with multi-story. And I would be very cautious about it, or, I, or I'd be very small. So given where we are and kind of the reality of the market today, and I've said it before, but I see two ways to get in the business. One is expansions, in other words, buying existing self-storage and expanding, the other is conversions. Today I want to talk about expansions. How, which brings us back to the title of this episode. How in the world can I buy a self-storage facility today given the prices? Well, I'm going to take a moment do a quick shameless plug on the Quick Start Academy's self-storage boot camp. Some of the things I'm going to highlight today, we go into real detail in the boot camp. And everybody goes through the work and learns how to analyze the projects, learns how to find the projects, learns how to put the projects into service. Everything we're going to talk about today is covered in this episode, it's covered in the boot camp, and the next one is October 9th, October 8th and 9th. I limit the number of people who come in there simply because. I mean, I'd like to have 100 in there, but I'm not going to have any more from one particular market area. If, if your market area, let's say, is the Southwest, I'm not going to have multiple people from the Southwest in the boot camp creating perceived competition in there. So that's why I limit the number of people. You can find out more about it in the link below. But let's talk about how you can actually buy a self-storage facility today, given the prices. And I mean, I'm telling you, it's not easy. It takes something. So I got an email from somebody saying, angrily, almost, attached an offering memorandum, listed at a 4.6 cap. How can I buy a four? You say I can buy self-storage facility. How can I buy this 4.6 cap self-storage facility? Well, the answer is, I don't know if that 4.6 self-storage facility will work, but it could. Usually by the time I start working with someone, they're very frustrated. They've been looking at projects. They can't find anything that makes any sense at all. They hear me and other people talking about how great this business is. And they're usually frustrated or angry and are almost challenging me. How can you get into business today? Well, let me tell you, there, it takes, it's not easy, but I work with people who do it every day. And I think it takes three things. And in this order of importance, your, first your mindset, an abundance or prosperity or success oriented mindset. Your, your mindset's the most important because that will filter every bit of information that comes into your world and through that filter you interpret it. The next is a clear self-storage 
either plan or strategy. Well, I call them strategies because I don't think you need to write a full business plan out, but you got to have a very clear business strategy. And the third is knowing how to analyze self-storage, which is different than any other asset class. And I think they're important in that order. Now, I've done a lot of episodes on mindset, so I'm not going to talk about that in this episode, although it's 80% of your success, in my opinion. And I'm not going to talk about how to analyze here, because I've got a lot of free and paid for training on how to analyze. And I know I can get redundant. But I do want to talk about having a clear and succinct business strategy because that makes the difference on whether you're going to be successful today or not. So when somebody throws at me a OM like this 4.6 capper and says, how can I get into self-storage business today? My first response is, well, what are your benchmark numbers? Now, usually they can't tell me. The reality is very few people can tell me what their minimum benchmark numbers are. What are your minimum benchmark numbers? Most people are looking for a good deal. Or most people are looking to get in the self-storage business so they can create, make a lot of money. If those are your answers, I've got a hot tip for you. You're not going to be in the self-storage business right now. That won't do it. You've got to be very, very clear on what your goals are. And that's a function of why you're getting in the business. Now, I'm not going to go over that today, but when I'm working with somebody, that's where we start. What's your business strategy? We won't look at a project until I'm clear on what their business strategy is. And until they're clear on it, I will tell you my business transformed when I got clear on what my business strategy was. When I got in back in the business in 07, 08, good time to be getting back in the business, I had to design what my strategy was. I didn't have money. I didn't have enough cash to buy self-storage, so I had to use other people's money. And that, to a large degree, defined what my business strategy was going to be. So, I, what I did, I'm not saying you do this, you might be working with your own money. We'll talk about some different strategies, but my strategy, I was using other people's money. So, I looked into the marketplace and I saw if, if an investor is going to look at my package, what else are they looking at? I looked at apartments and other storage deals and I looked at what people were offering for that investor money and I realized I didn't have a track record or much of one. So, I had to I had to out offer those a little bit. So back when I, in 2008 or 2007, 12%, they could get 10 to 12% preferred return in apartment deals. So I offered a 12% preferred return. And I saw that in apartment 
most of them were giving their money back, getting their money back in three to five years. Well, I saw it was hard to give investor money back in three years, but by five years, I saw that I could create enough equity to refinance it and give our investors their money back. So life got real simple for me. I needed an average 12% cash on cash return from the cash flow in the first five years. Doesn't mean I had to get it in year one, but I had to be able to average 12% in the first five years, and I had to be able to create enough value to refinance it or sell it if I had to, but refinance it and give our investors their money back. So life got real simple for me. I also realized I had to really get good at analyzing, hence the Storage World Analyzer. But I had to get good at analyzing and I had to be able to look at a deal and if it hit 12% average over five years and I create enough equity, voila, that deal could work. That went into this pile. If it didn't work, what would I have to pay for it to make it work? And then I would look, is this something that's realistic that the seller would consider? If it wasn't, in other words, in, I was saying that back then storage was selling within 7% of list price. If I was below, if my number, acquisition number to make the deal work was 8% less or more, I discarded that offering memorandum and went to the next one. Life got real simple. It was either a yes or a no. Now, not everybody's looking at cash on cash returns. I've worked with some people, for example, that want to have a free and clear self-storage facility when they retire, and they're retiring in 10 years. So they will run a scenario where will all the excess cash flow on top of their reserve fund and lo current loan payment be enough to pay all the debt down so that when they retire, they own that asset free and clear. That's a great strategy. Doesn't matter what your strategy is. Just create what your benchmark numbers are. If, you, if it's your money, what is the minimum cash on cash return is, that's acceptable for you? And how much value do you want to create over whatever time period you anticipate holding it? Make those as benchmark numbers. Then you can look and see, does the deal work or does the deal not work? And if it doesn't work, what would I have to pay for it? Then next, next, next. In today's world, I'm looking at maybe 20 deals before I find one that could work. Let's talk about how, how in the world would a 4.6 capper ever work? If interest rates are 4% and it's being offered at a 4.6 cap, it's going to be negative cash flow when I buy it. What I've discovered is if you're not going to do a value add play, you really need about a two and a half percent spread between your cap rate and your interest rate. There are scenarios where that 4.6 capper could actually work. Let's talk about that. Let's say that 4.6 capper is 34,000 square feet of self-storage existing, mom and pop, sure you've seen that offering memorandum if you've been looking. Let's say that there's some parking, just surface parking, maybe even on grass or gravel. Let's, and, and there's about an acre and a half of land that has cars and trucks and just whatever scattered across it. 
I'm sure you've seen that offering memorandum. Well, the very first, and I, by the way, I bought that facility in uh, the Houston, Texas market before. But let's say that the very first thing I would do today is before I even ran the numbers, I would look at the submarket. I would look at the per square foot per capita in that trade area of that storage facility. I would use online subscriptions or buy a report at REIWISE or something that you can buy these reports. And I would look at or you can subscribe to services and find out how much self-storage supply is currently in a three and five mile trade area how much is quote in the pipeline or in other words coming on and I would look at the rent structure in that trade area what are people getting for rents what is this guy getting what is the competition in that three and five mile radius getting for income what's what are they asking for rents on a 10 by 10 10 by 12 and so on and then i would try to look at pipeline projects now this isn't exact information but it's good enough to give me a kind of a view of that particular trade area whether it's oversupplied undersupplied or in equilibrium that's the very first thing I'd do. If I saw 19, and I looked at one yesterday, 19 square feet per capita in a three mile radius. Well, that's as far as I went on that particular one. I, I'm not gonna be able to buy a 4.6 capper and not add more square footage. Now, maybe it's parking you could add, but if you're trying to do self-storage, then I wouldn't go any further. So that's the first thing I do. Now, if it looks like, you know, everybody's fairly full, the rents are pretty good, and it, and it doesn't look to be oversupplied or grossly oversupplied, then I might go to step two. The next step is I figure out on that acre and a half, how much more self-storage can I get on there? Now, I've got an existing facility, so I know what, I, what at least what that guy's getting in rent. So most of the time, those are the numbers I use. So if I'm looking at an acre and a half, how much additional square footage can I put on? Well, let's just say it's 25,000 square feet. So now I run a scenario what will it cost me to build that 25,000 square feet? What income am I going to get on the 25,000 square feet? And how much will that increase my operating expenses? Then I look at what is my cash on cash return going to be? And how much value is building that 25,000 square feet going to create? And I compare that to my benchmark numbers. Expansions are our bread and butter today. Expansions and conversion, that's our bread and butter today. Those are the deals that we're doing. Every deal we look at isn't going to work. It might be one in 20. But it takes work. It takes something. But it's doable. We're doing it. Other people are doing it. Now, here's what's interesting. That particular deal might not work for me because of my benchmark numbers. But it dang well might work for you because of your benchmark numbers. So somebody will send me a OM, say, should I buy this? 
I don't know. What are your benchmark numbers? Why are you getting into business? What do you need to have happen with the next facility you acquire? Do you see why you start there? And we cover that in great detail in our boot camp. Today, you will also need specialized knowledge. The self-storage business is not complicated, believe me. If I can, and I'm not just saying this, but the reality is if I can do it, <laughs> most people can do it. It's not a complicated business. It just takes some specialized knowledge, especially today. You know, what are, what construction number should I use today if I'm doing an expansion? What's, what's equilibrium in Texas? Is equilibrium in Texas, in other words, is eight square feet per capita in Texas, is that equilibrium? Is it undersupplied or oversupplied? How about in Idaho? Is it different? Should I run an automated store or should I have a manager there? These are all questions and all, it takes specialized knowledge today and this is what we cover again in the boot camp. And it should, it's all part of your strategy because without knowing all of that, you really can't run your analysis very well. Because believe me, if you put in the operating expenses that are in those offering memorandums, you're not gonna be buying self-storage today. You've gotta know how you're gonna run it what your numbers are, or use industry averages based on how you're gonna run it. Only expense items I ever get out of the offering memorandum are insurance, taxes, and utilities. I really don't look at anything else in their expense column. Now, the good news is, it's not hard to learn. It really isn't. Success can be shared. Knowledge can be shared. It's not complicated. Running a storage facility requires some specialized knowledge. It's not complicated. You've just got to have some specialized knowledge. It's not like managing apartments or managing a retail shopping center. It's like buying the shopping center and then running the store in it. Not complicated. You just got to know about it. Now, this brings us back to the question that started this whole thing. How in the world can you buy self-storage today given what the prices are? I think now you may be a little closer to your answer. It starts with having a clear, succinct business strategy that will inform you what type of self-storage to be looking for. And then when you learn how to analyze them, you will know real clearly because there's not that in, in many variables in self-storage you'll know with a certain degree of certainty whether that deal will work for you or not and it doesn't take long to begin to build confidence in your ability to analyze it just takes practice again shameless plug that's what the boot camp's all about but hopefully this has helped you and maybe it could make the difference of whether you get in the self-storage business in this year or soon, or you just wait. Don't let self-storage be something that you almost got into and really wanted to, but couldn't figure out how. 
Thank you very much. My name's Mark Helm. I'm the author of Creating Wealth Through Self-Storage, and you can find out more about the Self-Storage Boot Camp. And if you want to schedule a call with me, you can do it. Just look at the information page in the link below, and we can see if it might be right for you. Thank you. I look forward to being with you next week. See you then. <music>